Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray today for focus, for, for concentration uh, for, on your voice. We pray that the word of God that your scripture tells us is living and active and sharper than to any two-edged sword would come alive to us today by the work of your Holy Spirit. And that uh, as you give me the words to speak today, that those words would be anointed in such a way that we would hear and see by your Spirit what we can never hear and see except by your Spirit. Lord God, let let uh, fill my mouth with your words. Speak to our hearts today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're, we're continuing today to take a look at Jesus describing his kingdom in the earth. And uh, uh, two weeks ago, we covered the parable of the weeds, or some of your Bibles will say the parable of the tares. Today, uh, the title of today's message is From a Small Beginning to the, everybody say the, the. impacting kingdom. From a, from a small beginning to the impacting kingdom. Let, let me just go ahead and insert this in here. When I say small beginning, I, I'm not talking about the kingdom of heaven that has existed for eternity in heaven. Jesus, when he prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. Well, whatever's been going on in heaven it never started from a small beginning. It it has always been. I know our brains. If you do that too much, it's going to smoke come out your ears. If you try to understand that. But when I say a small beginning to the impacting kingdom, I'm talking about the presence and the application of that kingdom to the earth, because that's what Jesus prayed: "Your kingdom come on earth." And so. We're for a small beginning to the impacting kingdom. And so we're taking a look what is commonly at what is commonly called the parable of the mustard seed. And uh, Jesus, and it's a very short parable. And uh, we will learn as we look at this, at the, the uh, content of this parable, we will learn and we will understand that the impact is not necessarily proportional to the size of the ministry or the, or the effort that we put forth into it. We, we have a human tendency, especially in the West, we have a human tendency to think that the bigger the ministry or the bigger the effort, the more impact that it has. And that may be true in a numerical sense, but it's not true in an impacting sense. And we'll see that in this parable. And we'll also see that the impact is definitely not due to the size of the beginning. Because we always, we, we don't, you know, the Bible talks about do not despise the day of small beginnings or small things. And we ju- we think we just want large, big, you know, we all want to live in Texas, I guess. I don't know. But we think it has to be huge and it has to, you know, be mega. And nothing wrong with huge and mega. It just doesn't have to be. And uh, there's a there's a quote, and it's really quoted to the, uh, this person has a lot of quotes, and this person is called anonymous. Uh, but you've heard this: from small beginnings come great things. From small beginnings come great things. 
And we have to believe that, not just in looking at this parable and how the kingdom of God came to the earth through the Son of God and the King, but we must believe that in whatever we put our hands to. We must believe that small uh, beginnings bring great things. Uh, yeah, that's on the, let's read that together. From small beginnings come great things. And that's really the content of what we're after today. So, if you haven't already, if you want to turn to Matthew 13, 31, we're only going to read two verses uh, today, which covers the uh, parable of the mustard seed. And so I'm sure you could stand for two verses. So if we would stand in recognition of the sacredness of Scripture, the ancient words we just sang about earlier, it says, He, that's it would be Jesus, He put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. You can be seated. Two weeks ago, we spoke on verse 33 briefly about the, the parable of the leaven. We, you can go back and Either watch that or listen to it. Take your pick. It's available in both cases. Now, there's a, uh, I have a commentary here. Uh, it's called the Reformation Commentary on Scripture. I have a whole set of these in my library. Um, I don't use it a lot, but this one had an interesting uh, take from uh, Desiderius Erasmus. That's a mouthful right there. I don't know why they didn't name people back then, John and Alan and Bob. I mean, Desiderius Erasmus uh, was a commentator in the 1500s, and he did some he did some paraphrases. So I'm just going to read you a brief paraphrase that Erasmus gives us about this. And he said, Jesus said, what shall I say is like the kingdom of God, or to what shall I compare it? That from a thing which is well known to all of you, the mustard seed, you might understand what sort of thing it is. And when all the people expected some great and high comparison, such as with the sun or with lightning, he, pre he preferred to lead them by a parable of a most disregarded and ignored little bean. It is like, he said, a little mustard grain, which while it is whole in the smallest and most most worthless thing. It is not at all pleasing to the eye, either in its color or in its scent. If it has any strength at all, it is within. A certain wise man chancing on such a seed did not despise it, but planted it in his garden. And then that most despised little seed sprouted up and grew into a mighty tree so that the birds were able to make their nests in its branches. And from that one little grain, many thousands were produced. Thus, the kingdom of God, precisely when it shall seem to be entirely extinct, that is, when it shall extend itself most broadly. The scripture says that this guy got this mustard seed, and it says that he sowed in his field. There, there's a key there. Sowed in his field. Now, it was, it, how many of you know it doesn't matter how long you study the scripture? 
there's all it's it's always there's always something there you didn't see or you didn't totally understand. So as far as I know, I've been studying the scripture for about sixty plus years, not intently, but studying. But I began to wonder. Why did Jesus, in the middle of his parables, why did he just stick this little two-verse parable in here about a mustard seed? And what? how does it apply? I understand the application of it, but what's going on here? You know, Jesus wasn't just, as my mama used to say, Jesus wasn't talking just to hear himself roar. He was, he was intentional in what he was saying and doing. And then I remembered the parable just above it from two weeks ago. We talked about the parable of weeds. So after dealing with the sowing of the good seed and the evil seed, remember that's what happened in that parable, the sowing of the good seed and sowing of the evil seed, Jesus now focuses solely on the sowing of good seed and the impact of the kingdom or the impact of that good seed. So he, he does good seed, evil seed, and then he says, all right, now we're going to go back and we're going to spend a little more time talking about the impact of that good seed. How many of you remember what the good seed is? Sons of the kingdom. Raise your hand if you, if you breathe Jesus Christ's breath in your lungs. So you're sons of the kingdom. His field, his field means that it's Jesus. He He's the one sowing in the parable of the weeds. He makes it clear. It's the son of man sowing in his field. And he uses the example as, as Erasmus tells us of this mustard seed. Now, you know, that's not, that doesn't, you don't plant one of those and go out and pull up a yellow bottle with French's on it. Uh, it's not that, that kind of a thing, but it's a mustard bush or a mustard tree, but it's, we all know it's a small, it, it's a small seed and it's used several times in the scripture as an example. Um, the, the tree or the bush that this would produce, um, probably would grow to about 10, maybe even 12 feet high, even though it's not a legitimate tree. It was still, there's a guy named Dr. W.M. Thompson, who in 1859 wrote a book called The Land in the Book, which was his eyewitness accounts of traveling in that area. And he said, I have seen it. The mustard bush, mustard tree, in the plain of acre, as tall as a horse and its rider. So put a guy or a, per- or a lady on a horse, and they get to the top of their head, and that's about how high he saw this bush. So from a from a small, almost imperceptible seed, smallest of all seeds, Jesus says, this is the s- smallest of all seeds. Now you, this, the um, scientists say, well, wait a minute, there are seeds smaller. Then that's Jesus wrong. What Jesus was talking about, the smallest of all seeds in Palestine, in that area. What they would be, what they could relate to, the smallest of all seeds. If you, if you had one, a mustard seed in your hand and you dropped it to the ground, it would be almost impossible to find it. Uh, most of these mustard seeds would be anywhere from one thirty second to one sixteenth of an inch, inch. And I can barely make one sixteenth of an inch with my fingers. I mean, just very tiny. And Jesus is doing this on purpose. This seed produces large branches. Mark, in Mark's account, he tells us that. He says, when it is sown, it grows up, becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches. So we're going from a small beginning 
if we're talking about a, a literal mustard plant or mustard bush, we're going from a small beginning to a large impact with large branches and allowing the birds of the air to nest, some versions say roost, in that tree. And Jesus is very intentional. He wants us to see this. I want you to see it, and I want me to see what Jesus is after here. It's a little bit of the big picture. I'm not a I'm not a usual big picture guy, but this is a little bit of the big picture. I, I, my wife and I, and some of us, we had the fortune of sitting under the teaching of a of the late Ern Baxter back in the day, and Ern, brother Ern, was the kind of guy uh, that he would he would take you in his teaching. He would take you way out into space, and he put you on moon on the moon. And you look back at earth. I mean, it was that kind of a big picture teaching every time he talked. Well, I don't usually do that, but this was a little bit of that. Um, and he said the, the birds of the air would find their shade and they would come from all parts. There's an analogy there. They would come from all parts to rest in this tree. We know that people come from all parts to find their rest in the kingdom of God and with the king. Now, if you want to turn Ezekiel 17, I would love for you to see this. We're just going to go there real briefly. Um, uh, if not, just listen. It says, thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar. Don't forget top. And I will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one. And I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. Watch this. And under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches. Birds of every sort will nest and all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and I make high the low tree. Dry up the green tree, make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. Do you think Jesus had his mind on Ezekiel 17 when he's using this analogy about the birds finding their place in that tree? He said, I'll take sprig from the top. Now, the top in this passage tells us that he's alluding to divinity. But also he says, I'm going to take the tender one, which tells us that he's alluding to the humanity of the Son of Man. So it's obvious the writer of Ezekiel is telling us that God is prophesying that he's going to take from the top, Jesus, he's going to take a sprig and he's going to plant it in the mountain. And there's a lot of analogies there. But the bottom line is that Jesus Christ is in the Son of Man is who he's talking about. So then fast forward all these years, Jesus arrives on the scene uh, and he, and we, when you talk about, uh, from a small beginning to, uh, uh, impacting the world, now, you couldn't get much smaller than arriving on the scene as a baby. As a little infant. We don't know what size he was, but the, we know that there were a lot of people looking for a warrior. There were a lot of people looking, uh, for someone to come in and annihilate the Rome, the Roman soldiers. Uh, we, and, and they walked right past this baby. And didn't see him. They're not all seeing. But as a small beginning. But he arrives on the scene. And he has a message. 
And we need to have his message. In his message, let me just read you some verses and you'll see them on the screen. And you can determine from these message, from these verses what his message was. Matthew 6.10, I've alluded to it already. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a good definition, by the way, of his kingdom coming. And that is his will be done, doing, being done on earth. Uh, Mark, Jesus, it says, Jesus came saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand or near you. Repent and believe in the gospel. Some of your versions there will say repent and believe in the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 23, Jesus is going through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And finally, Luke 4, 43, he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So while the kingdom of heaven is eternal, the establishment of the kingdom of God in the earth started with this little baby who arrived on the seed, this little seed on the scene. This little seed that the Father planted into the earth and then he plants us into the earth. So the gospel that Jesus preached was the good news that there is this kingdom that has arrived. Jesus is basically, in a good paraphrase, Jesus is basically saying, I've arrived and so therefore the kingdom of heaven is arrived. And he prays, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on the earth, just like it is in heaven. And how many of you know, when Jesus prays a prayer, it gets answered. I do. So that brings us to this point from small and insignificant beginnings. From small and insignificant beginnings. The impact that the kingdom of God has had and will have on the earth is equivalent to the impact the little mustard seed had in growing and developing a mustard bush or a mustard tree. By the way, let me go ahead and put this in here because people get some people get bent out of shape. Uh, it is absolutely a fact that we we do not and will not see the kingdom of God in its full consummation in its full fruition until Jesus comes back. We won't see it. But it's also true. That his kingdom is here now. It is true. And I'll, I'll read you some, some uh, statements after a while that'll, that'll sort of prove that. Um, and the work that began when Jesus arrived has been and is making a huge impact on the world. And many, many take refuge or shelter in the kingdom of God. Many not, we're, we're gone, we've gone from the natural example to a spiritual example. We've gone to the knowing that because of the small seed of the growth of God's kingdom and Jesus' reign and rule, it's make many have come to this tree and sought refuge. Let me just give you some general numbers. These are very general. And it give you an idea. Uh, we know that after the resurrection of Jesus, we know from the scriptures, after the resurrection of Jesus, he appeared to approximately 500 people, about 500 people. 
that he appeared to. So fast forward 100 years, approximately 100 years, to A.D. 100, and there were 1 million Christians in A.D. 100 or whatever it is these days. Um, 1 million Christians. In 1910... They, they speculated, or maybe they know, there were 600 million Christians. So from A.D. 100, 1 million. 1910, 600 million Christians, believers. Now, you and I both know that in that number, there's some who are and some who aren't. But we're just going to use general numbers. Well, then we go to 2015, and there's believed to have been, at that point, two and a half billion of the B Christians. So 500, 1 million, 600 million, and 2.5 billion. Now, I may be fat, but I'm slow. Is that increase? Yeah. I mean, that's increase. Why is it, why is that increase there? Because the small seed that Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, that small seed is making impact on the world. Uh, this book I'm reading, The Rise of Christianity, this guy points out, the author points out that even in, in uh, early second or third centuries, they had epidemics. It was, actually, this, this, this read was very, uh, sound very familiar because in Rome, it was an epidemic because it wasn't worldwide, but in Rome, they had an epidemic. And then a little while later, they had another epidemic, and many people believe the first one was the mumps, the second one was the measles. But this guy points out that more Christians survived. More Christians survived both of those epidemics, and more pagans survived who knew Christians because Christians would take care of them. I mean, this is an age, believe it or not, this is an age when abortion and the killing of babies after they've been born was a very common practice. And as a matter of fact, in that day, in that culture, in that Greek Roman culture, if you had, if you birthed a girl baby, most of the time, you just took that baby out and laid it down somewhere and left it. You didn't want a girl. You only wanted a boy. And so the, the whole cultural thing begins to show up and the impact that this kingdom that Jesus preached, the impact begins to uh, uh, impact that whole region. And this guy goes through the whole thing of ratio of pagans to Christians. And, and, and of course, at one point he states that he thinks paganism has disappeared. I don't, he hadn't watched our news lately, but... Uh, there's a guy named R.C. Trench who I wasn't familiar with. Uh, he was an Anglican archbishop in the Church of Ireland. And he, he writes this, The Son of Man grew up in a despised providence. Champ, you're going to have to sit still, buddy. I can't even concentrate. The Son of Man grew up in a despised providence. He did not appear in public until his... Th- Champ, go sit back there somewhere. He did not appear in public until his 30th year, then taught for two or three years in neighboring villages and occasionally at Jerusalem, made a few converts, chiefly among the poor and unlearned, 
and then falling into the hands of his enemies, died the shameful death of the cross. Such and so slight was the commencement of the universal kingdom of God. Doesn't sound like much, does it? There's a website called gotquestions.org. By the way, it's not that bad of a website if you'd like to use it. It is a little Baptist sometimes. Anybody from watching Baptists at home, don't get mad at me. They write, they write this, how significant could the short ministry of Christ be? He had but a handful of followers. He was a man of no rank and without means, and he lived in what everyone considered a backwater region of the world. The life and death of Christ did not catch the world's attention any more than a mustard seed would lying on the ground by the road. But this was a work of God. What seemed inconsequential at first grew into a movement of worldwide influence, and no one could stop it. The influence of the kingdom in this world would be such that everyone associated with it would find a benefit. Pictured as the birds perched on the branches of the mature mustard plant. These two examples, these two quotes, just give us that whole picture that this this movement should not have been successful. This movement should not have gone anywhere. It should not have produced fruit. And yet, as they say, this is the work of God. And because it's the work of God, we see impact on the world. I want us just to look at that for a moment. Impact on the world. When Jesus proclaimed, now the time is fulfilled. Now I'm here. The king is here. I'm going to establish the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Now is the time fulfilled. He was proclaiming that there was a new kingdom. Remember, the kingdoms were corrupt. The kingdoms were were harsh. And there was no benevolence at all. He said when the time is fulfilled, there was a new kingdom. And there was a new power, the power of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a new level of divine blessing. There was a peace that surpasses all of our comprehension and understanding. There was joy that is inexpressible. And there is hope that does not disappoint. This is what what arrived when the kingdom of God arrived. Impact. You didn't have these qualities. You didn't have these virtues before. Because they came through Jesus Christ. They came through his, his coming to earth and proclaiming the kingdom. Healing and deliverance and freedom from addictions and anxieties. All came. Lifting people up. Lifting downtrodden people up from there, from where they were. Another part, when he said, now the time is fulfilled, another part of this good news of the kingdom of God is that a new kingdom had arrived to displace the kingdom of Satan and destroy all the works of Satan's kingdom. So here's a kingdom and another kingdom. You have two kingdoms, a kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. Jesus comes as the victor, as, as the one who died on the cross, rose from the dead, defeated the enemy, Colossians 2. And so now we have, because the kingdom has come, because the king has come, we have, he has come literally to destroy the works of the devil. How do we know this? First John 3 8, it says, the son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. New kingdom, 
New power, new victory. Why? From a small beginning to impacting the whole world. And God's kingdom is present wherever God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes I know 40-something years ago, almost 50 years ago, when I began hearing preaching and teaching on the kingdom of God, it was a very, very sparsely taught about subject then. I had a hard time processing it at the beginning. But one day it just it, it occurred to me what I just read you, that where God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven, and God's kingdom is present. Because all it means is Jesus ruling in our hearts and our responding to that ruling by being obedient to him and seeing his will be done on earth. The works of God are accomplished through faith and dependence on God. We know that. And the, the God's kingdom is present wherever people are reconciled to God and one another. Now, in, in the kingdom of darkness or in a, quote, pagan culture, this is not something you see. You don't see the reconciliation because you have no motivation for reconciliation. But in the Christian faith, in those who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven much. Everybody say much. We have been forgiven much. And so we have motivation if there is some kind of a separation between a brother or sister, husband, wife, whatever it may be, we have motivation in the Christian faith to want to see reconciliation. And we do whatever's necessary to see that happen. Because, why? The kingdom of God is the qualities of the kingdom of God. So God's kingdom is present where there's people are being reconciled. Where the culture of heaven is being lived out. Rather than the culture of a sinful world where, where our standard of living is not governed by the headlines. Our standard of living is not, is not governed by the, well, you, you're behind times. This is 2021. We don't do it that way anymore. Ancient words. Ancient words. They have not and will not change right here. No. And when we embrace a culture that is, comes from heaven, God's kingdom is present in our lives. And his kingdom is present when his love and his truth and his blessing increase and are found among his people. That's the kingdom of God. You say, well, I want to see the kingdom. Well, listen to this. When the gospel is believed and obeyed by a sinner, the kingdom is expanded. When a soul is set free from alcoholism, addiction, bitterness, or fear, the kingdom grows on the earth. When a troubled marriage is healed and the marriage is restructured on God's principles, the kingdom is established. Now, all the love and power of heaven are available. Everybody say available. That's what he said. The kingdom of God is at hand. You could say the kingdom of God is near you, or you could say the kingdom of God is available. All the love and the power of heaven are available on earth to meet every human need that we might have through Jesus Christ, who's the king of the kingdom. 
Every human need will be met due to the effects of the enemy. Sometimes the enemy has ravaged us, and we've allowed him to. The kingdom of God comes with healing. and Or every human need due to our dependency upon the Holy Spirit. We have need simply because we depend on and we are required to depend on the Holy Spirit. We're required because we can't do it ourselves. But every human need, everything that we need, is provided because Jesus came as the small seed in this kingdom that he started, that he established on the earth, and he left his followers. He went back to heaven, and he basically said, I'm going back to heaven. You got it. Now, go and make disciples of all nations. You got it. Extend the kingdom of God out into the society. Our role, our job as God's people sitting here today and watching at home, our job is not to grow Abundant Life Church. Our job is to grow the kingdom of God. God will grow Abundant Life Church. We don't have to worry about that. But our focus should be to see people come out of the despair and the despicableness that they live in and come into a place of hope and peace and strength and victory that you and I enjoy every day of our lives. From a small beginning to impacting the whole world. Would you agree with that? Stand with me.